For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am so happy that you checked out this particular episode. We're going to have some fun with this one. I'm so glad that we're... I'm getting some of the people that like have always been on my list, but for some reason... I've like forgotten to get with them or have been nervous about asking them to be on the podcast. But I love to I love to talk with people that have jobs in this industry that you might not even know exist. And then when you hear what their job is, you go, "Oh my god, that sounds like the best job in the world." Have you ever had a friend or a colleague that knows everyone? That has a story or a picture or video with anyone and everyone? That's Tyra Martin. The crazy part is Tyra's really someone who's behind the scenes at Channel 9 as one of their senior segment producers. She's one of the best in the business. But she knows everybody, whether we're talking about people inside of our industry, media, news, like that sort of thing, or if we're talking about, I don't know, Harry Belafonte or... Denzel Washington or Common, Sting, whoever you can think, the singer Sting, not the wrestler. Although, I would not be surprised if Tyra Martin actually knew the wrestler Sting, too. I was going through her Instagram because I usually do like a thumbnail for each episode. I'll do like a thumbnail of the person that I'm talking to. And usually it's pretty straightforward, like what picture you would use for someone. Most people have like a standard picture that they they use for things of this nature. Or you you have a good action shot or whatever. And I was scrolling through Tyra's Instagram. Now I follow Tyra, but I went back. I'm like, oh, let me find like the perfect picture for the thumbnail. And I see all the people that she's interviewed for her job it's insane it really really is she does a little bit of everything over at channel nine but she's 
she's definitely famous in our circle of friends that work in the industry because of the interviews that she gets. She she does a lot of press junkets. So when big movies come out, if Dean Richards isn't going to the junket, Tyra's going to the junket. And she's sitting down with the biggest stars in the industry. Like, for real, for real, I'm pretty sure I remember, like, her, just scroll through her Instagram. Like, don't be creepy, but she talks with the big, big guns in the business, and they know her. And seeing her interact with Denzel Washington or Harry Belafonte, or famously, or I guess now infamously, Morgan Freeman. I'm so happy that she was available. This is crazy. Like, this is the crazy part. Like, I said to her, I wanted to have her on the podcast. And she was like, yeah, that's not a problem. Like, let's make it happen. And when I got her, she was in the middle of interviews on a press junket. So, she stepped into another spot to do the interview, and then she gave me the, the, what the process is like to do all of this stuff. And if you love television, you love movies, man, is this the interview for you. Because you will understand what it's like to be a part of that and what, how all of those interviews come to pass. The cool thing is, is that Tyra and I are three years apart high school-wise. So I didn't really know her in high school. I knew her sisters because they were just a year away from me. So I've known this family for forever, but I didn't really get to know Tyra until well into my career and her career. She's been at Channel 9 for a quarter century. And I had her on the Loho Daily podcast, RIP. And we talked about Marvel. Like, she's a huge, like, Marvel oracle. Like, she knows a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff about how those movies were made, the people that are in those movies, the decisions that get made, all of that stuff. And so I had her on as we got to Endgame because she had seen every movie and she had seen Endgame before anyone else had seen it. I'm like, man, she's so famous. And she just gets into these spots. Before we get into the interview, because you're going to want to hear this, got to tell you about our sponsor, David Hochberg. If you are thinking about buying a home or refinancing a home, he's the guy that you want to hit up. I was lucky enough to have him help me out in the purchase of my place, and they got it done, a 30-day close. They're about their business. Stuff got done quick, fast, and in a hurry. So if you're thinking about doing this, he's the guy that should help you put the money together. 855-56-DAVID, 56david.com. And when you talk with him, This is really important. 
when you talk with David Hochberg, say to him, I heard about you on House of L. You did right by Lawrence. He says that I should go with you. And I promise you, your loan will get done. You will be happy. You will be able to get on with the rest of your life. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. Some of the stories that are inside this episode of the podcast, you are not going to believe. And they are 100% true. The, the life that Tyra Martin leads is enviable for anyone who loves creatives. She gets to be in the room with the creatives and ask the creatives questions. She also has spent a big chunk of her career covering and writing the really difficult stories. The ones where if you don't get a break from doing them, you will burn out. And if you listen to any news person that I've had on House of L, they will tell you the same thing. There's a shelf life to doing the crime beat. And it's hard for people who have to do that. And she's done her time in that space as well. She's one of the leading voices inside of the WGN newsroom. Like her respect goes beyond that newsroom. And I'm glad that she was nice enough to to sit down with me. You are going to love this. And you are going to love the names that are invoked inside of this interview. House of L special right here. Chicago's very own Tyra Martin. And I asked her about why it is that she likes being on the beat where she gets to sit down with the famous people. Here's what she told me. It's just kind of fun, even if it's only for a few minutes, asking them hopefully a question that they haven't been asked before, getting to tell them that I love their work or... (laughs) you know, challenge them on something that I didn't like. It's it's really a very unique once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity with these people. And, and then sometimes you have like a bunch of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities <laughs> with the same person, but it's, there's, I, I love it. I love doing it. What's the line that you have to walk when you are talking to someone and maybe... Like, you want to tell them about something that you didn't necessarily like. What's the line that you have to walk to be able to tell them and and still get a good soundbite that Channel 9 can use? Um, trying to think of any time. So the only time you really have to try to figure out how to be crafty is if they ask you what you thought of the film. Or, you know, did you watch the series? What did you say? think? Because now with all the streaming series, there's a lot of junkets for those, so you kind of have a responsibility to watch all 12 episodes or you've got to narrow your hope they don't ask you anything about how it ends (laughs) (laughs) or whatever. But um, there's been times when I've been asked if I like the movie and I've said no, but I don't think I'm the intended audience. 
Um, that's the way I, I frame it. That's good. Uh, if it's somebody I really like, um, I just start complimenting inanimate things about the movie. Oh, the city really is a character unto itself in this movie. And they, oh my gosh, yeah. Boston, San Francisco, Chicago, Tougaloo, whatever city it is. Chitlin Switch, Alabama. That. So I, that's where I go. It's beautifully shot. Just beautiful cinematography. Acting. <laughs> <laughs> so look, your list of people that you have encountered, like it's been chronicled on Instagram. Sometimes it's been chronicled on Channel 9. Of all of the people that you sat down with, and this could be good or bad, uh-huh. who surprised you? Um, but one of the, so there's a couple, there's good and bad. So um, on the bad side, no, I'll go good first. I'll go positive. I'm, I'm into vibrating high lately. So we're good. <laughs> on the good side, I will say Donald Sutherland. Um, I had interviewed him twice before this particular instance. And it's Donald Sutherland. Nobody, why in the world would he have ever remembered four minutes on any occasion for any reason with me? So I go into this room. It was for this awful movie called Fool's Gold, I think it was, with Matthew McConaughey. And they're Kevin digging, Hart, they're like digging for gold in, Hart movie, I think. in the desert and stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> I remember that. So this, that's the movie it's for. So I go in to talk to him and um, could not be nicer every time I've ever sat with him. But I said, oh, Mr. Sullivan, thank you so much for your time. It's so nice to meet you, which is kind of um, a reflex. And you don't expect them to remember you. I learned that lesson early where you talk to somebody 10 times and you sit down and say, oh, nice to meet you. And you're like, what? I saw you like two weeks ago. <laughs> but okay. So I, I did that and he said, Tyra, he said, we've talked several times. I know who you are. And I thought, A, oh my God, Donald Sutherland knows who I am. <laughs> and it was a reminder, you know, not to shortchange yourself sometimes that, you know, maybe you did make an impact or don't assume yourself smaller all the time. Maybe it's okay to assume a little bigger. Okay. So what about the... the- the negative experience. On the bad side, Shirley MacLaine, I could have cried after our <laughs> interview. Um, I had built up, oh, and I just thought of another one who in my head, I thought we'd be besties when I left the interview. That absolutely did not happen. But uh, Shirley MacLaine, I went in and um, it was for a movie she did with Jennifer Aniston and Kevin Costner. It was like, a, I think, a... a revamp of or like a, a late sequel of um dustin hoffman oh um oh shoot why am i blanking on this now we'll think of it the big uh mrs robinson, mrs. robinson. What is the name of the movie <laughs> yeah the graduate the, gra- the graduate so it was like some you know late sequel to that very barely taped together with chewing gum and tape. And um, <laughs> I go into the interview, she's got, but I was super excited. I'm a huge Shirley McLean fan. And, um, you know, had come up with all these questions that I thought were great. And 
um, had rewatched a bunch of old movies. So I go in, she's got a dog on her lap um, that's barking that we are told once we sit down, do not acknowledge the dog. I was like, but the dog is barking. <laughs> dog we can, we can hear barking. The, the, the barking on the tape. You can hear the barking on the tape. Um, don't acknowledge the dog. Okay, that's fine. So it starts out okay, um, but she was, I think maybe either tired of the interviews in general or didn't love the movie, which is often the case why you get a, a celebrity that's not always on a great mood. They're either in a wonderful mood if they hate the movie because they're like, who cares? I got paid. Nobody's right. <laughs> the checks, the checks clear, so I'm I'm the all good. Cleared. This is gravy. I'm getting room service. What do you want to talk about? Or they're like super uptight and, and defensive. So she seemed to be hedging toward the latter. Um, each question I asked, her responses got shorter and shorter and sharper. And I asked what is known in the business as the obit question. Now, this was fairly early in my junket career. I felt I had craftily positioned it. So it did not sound like the obit <laughs> question. So I said, you know, this is when you look over your lifetime, what do you, what do you hope your legacy will be? <sighs> she ate me alive, ate me alive, put me in some Tupperware, came back at midnight. Like, you know what? Maybe one more bite. That was really good. Um, ate me alive. Why would you ask me that? My career's not over. My lifetime's not over. What do you mean by that? And I get, I got, freaked out and more freaked out and she could smell blood in the water and, and she kept was, attacking it was <laughs> bad my goodness worst, that's the worst interview i've ever that's my worst interview is shirley mcclain well i appreciate you sharing that and i think that your question <laughs> i think your question was totally appropriate for someone who had already had that type of right. career it's not like right. she wasn't new on the scene like <laughs> 50 years Nobody's of the business. Saying, you know, you're leaving here and they're driving you out to Shady Pines. I'm just saying you had a lifetime of a career. What do you hope your legacy will be? Right. Years from now. Year, years, hundreds of years from now. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way you frame it from now on. Yes. Hundreds of years <laughs> from now. What do you think people will say about you? For, this is a part of the business that I don't really know a lot about. Like, the mm -hmm. stuff that you end up doing, I don't know a lot about. So what's it like to be on these junkets? Like, give give me an idea of what your day is like when you have one of these types of, of things to do. So in years gone by, because after, post-pandemic, none of us are really sure what it's going to look like from now on. It's all virtual now. But in its heyday... Um, yeah, they you either screen the film in your market in town or you screen it at the junket destination there's regional uh like regional domestic press there's an international day there's a print day and so you go to typically la or new york sometimes sometimes out of the country i've been as far as bora bora for a junket wow um i know right <laughs> that's amazing it's crazy so um they fly you out to the death, the location. You check into the hotel. Um, it's usually a really good hotel to only because not that they care about the press, but it's where the stars are staying. <laughs> right. 
So we kind of scavenge onto them and uh, end up at a really nice hotel. Uh, you check in, you've got this great room, usually a great room. Um, they cover some of your meals, but typically you have to go to this hospitality suite and eat. Um, but the spread is always good. It's the, the perks are unbeatable. Um, you see the movie that night, the next morning, uh, you go line up in a hallway, basically, um, on a hotel floor where they've got chairs in the hallways outside of each of these rooms where Denzel is in this room, uh, Tom Hanks is in this room, Leonardo DiCaprio is in this room. If it's a Disney movie, there's 12 animators in, <laughs> in this room. And you make your way down the seats into the room to do the interview. They're typically about four minutes. Um, if you're lucky, you might be able to squeeze four and a half out uh, from most regional or domestic outlets. And you get in the chair, you ask the questions, you get up and you leave and it's on to the, to the next room. A long time ago when we had tapes to carry back and forth, most of us would bring a separate suitcase to load a bunch of beta tapes in um, for, and for folks who don't know, it's about the size of a of a like a high school pocket dictionary and um, you load a bunch of those in you get rid of the ones that you know are never going to air because it's not worth dragging them to the airport so you'd get to the airport and outside uh, the gates you would see on a junket weekend a ton of things in the garbage and they were almost always the same you feel bad but they were almost always like the same you know the friend who they put in a double with someone that you knew this tape was never gonna make air. It can go. I've, I've got new shoes. I need to make room. So-and-so, we will see you as your career develops. <laughs> right. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> this is not gonna air right here. Yeah. So how long are these days typically? Uh, it depends on how many movies. So I've had um, days where it's, three or four movies at the same time. So you're up until whatever time in your body's time zone, typically though in LA. So sometimes one, two o'clock in the morning watching these movies in a theater, you gotta come back, try to prepare questions. Um, then the next day, sometimes it's in between floors, trying to remember, wait, who's on this? What movie was on this floor? You just show up in the line. And so I've gone into rooms where it's been so confusing, where you don't even, you're not for sure what room you're in until you sit down. It's like, oh, hey, yes. <laughs> I know what we're talking about. Um, but if there's a lot of people, it's that many people times four or five minutes plus the wait in between. Um, so it's a, it's a, you're definitely working. It feels glamorous when people find out that you've checked into the four seasons on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, oh, off to New York again. And you take some picture in front of me. They don't see that you are starving, that you almost missed your flight, that uh, your room is over another room that's having construction done <laughs> because it's a room that a customer's not going to pay for. Correct. So a lot of times we end up in those kinds of rooms um, that, you know, you've been sitting in a sweaty hallway for six hours talking to someone who may or may not want to talk to you uh, to all to turn around sometimes that same night and head back to the airport to come home. I've done trips in less than 24 hours. That's amazing. Yeah. It's the fun part is really fun. The, the not fun part 
sucks a little bit, but it evens out. Who's someone that you look forward to seeing? Um, despite all of the drama, anytime I get to talk to Morgan Freeman is a ball. Um, Jennifer Aniston, when I when she was doing a lot of movies, um, I saw her for a while. She was trying to stop smoking, and she would talk about that. She would always ask me if did I get a dog yet? You need a dog, and it, it, you know you start to when you see these people that often, you start to develop a, a friendship with them. You know, it's it's a it's a four minute friendship. Sure. <laughs> but for a while, uh, the junket schedule was really hectic and you know you're back and forth to LA every week sometimes and when somebody's hot and they've got five movies out there you're you see them five times you see the rock like two times a month you see right (laughs) yeah Kevin Hart people are very familiar with the rock has a lot of you know Gerard Butler always making movies I used to see all the time yeah so um so yeah you start to kind of know them and their style they get to know you they know where you're from they kind of get a sense of the style of questions that you might ask so you start to develop comfort with them but yeah um Denzel is always exciting because it's no matter how many times you see him it is it is Denzel Washington (laughs) so so amazing so the presence that he seems to have on film it comes across when you're in the room with him Yes. Huh. Yeah, it is, um, you know, there's a reverence because he's got this incredible body of work. Uh, You know, most women, and and I'm sure there's a a bunch of guys who at some point had a picture of him next to their bed (laughs) on their nightstand. Like Whitley. Like I had the Whitley picture. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Oh no. I had the I had the picture. I, you know, was just completely enamored with him. And the first time I talked to Denzel actually was for it was a remake of a, a military movie where they kind of it'll come to me, but uh I was in the hallway and I was freaked out. This was early uh in the junket thing. Um we were in New York and I could hear him in the room. Once I finally got to the seat outside his room, I could hear him. So it was like, oh no, he's really in there. You are, it seemed fun and exciting, but you're going to have to go in there and engage in intelligent conversation. <laughs> you're going to have to contain yourself and Denzel is in the room. <laughs> right. And, and you had the picture next to your bed. It, it, I was, I completely freaked out. So he came out into the hallway. I thought I was being very quiet. It was t- in between interviews. He went to go talk to some producer's family, they brought their kid and wife or whatever. And he was out there talking to this family. So this is the first time I have seen him with my actual eyeballs. <laughs> it took literally my breath away. Um, and I whispered to the poor girl sitting next to him. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I said, I cannot look at him. I can't look directly at him. I thought I was being very quiet. Apparently my voice, like my face often is loud. And when he walked back past me, he covered his eyes with his hand and then peeked between his fingers. No, he did not. I'm like, oh my God, he heard me. (laughs) (laughs) He heard me. That is the best Denzel Washington story (laughs) ever. 
So I get in there, um, like immediately after that, like I was the next person there, like, all right, WGN. I'm like, oh my God, I go in there. He laughs about it. Um, it was a, a fun interview. We got through it. At the end, I was so starstruck. I went to shake his hand and apologize. And I had held his hand so long that he had to ask for it back. And they were like, okay, you can leave now. <laughs> but I imagine I imagine that that probably happens to him more often. Often, I'm sure. Than you would think. Was it always film? Is that something that you've always been interested in? Well, I've always loved movies. I've loved movies um, and, you know, serial TV, you know, before you could binge things when we would have to tape things on VHS or if you wanted to watch something again, you know, you'd have to tape on a VHS. But I would still, I would binge, what was binging now, I guess, I would do then and just rewatch the whole season of a show again. Um, so I've always kind of liked entertainment and storytelling and so to luck into this opportunity in a newsroom, which is incredibly unique um, because I get to do, I started out as a writer, writing, you know, like the, the disaster of the day and um, kind of had a, a proclivity for entertainment stuff. Started writing those stories, started working with Sam Rubin, who was our first entertainment reporter uh, out in Los Angeles at our sister station, KTLA there. So we would take a satellite from him. So I started working with him, um, started putting together something called New Music Tuesday, which was me basically going to record stores and begging them for the videos that they played <laughs> in there and the list of the albums, the CDs that were coming out. So I started doing that and just kind of weaseled my way into the entertainment department or, or field and one weekend, Dean Richards couldn't go on a junket. He asked me if I wanted to go. I said, yes, it was Soul Plane. It was a double feature. It was Soul Plane and Saved, starring Mandy Moore <laughs> and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> oh, that's a little divergent, those two uh, movies. It was, it was an interesting weekend. Then after that, I had Crash, which went on to be an Oscar huge film. film. Um, all A-list talent. It just... After I got over the head game of, I cannot believe I'm here talking to this person. It was everything I, I dreamed it would be, everything I wanted to do. You kind of got ahead of where I was going to go in this conversation. I want to know, because I've, I've talked to whether it's reporters or producers, dealing with the things that are a part of local news. Right. Dealing with death and gunshots and chasing ambulances and all of these things how were you able to one keep your sanity in dealing with it like how do you not fall into like a dark abyss because every morning early early in the morning you are seeing the worst of humanity and yeah. you're presenting it to chicago how do you how do you compartmentalize that there i'll say this early I mean, and, and ongoing, because I, I still work in the newsroom. So um, news is, is the order of the day all the time. At the beginning, I was writing and I was also uh, producing Robin's traffic segments. So this is when she was still a uh, traffic reporter in the helicopter. And so as she was traveling, you know, there'd be an accident. 
and she would the camera would just because it was it was very technical it was a technical job they'd zoom in <laughs> with no warning sometimes i have seen horrible things that you know i can't imagine i would always think this poor family that this is what's happened to their loved one um all just all kinds of, of horrible sad things uh, there was a story, there's a few stories that have broken me at work. There was a story about a little boy who was killed by his parents, beaten uh, over potty training. Jeez. And they put him in a suitcase. And I had to go home that day. Awful. 9-11, um, most of us have never recovered from that raw video. It's a tough job. And uh, I've been out with reporters, you know, when I was learning to field produce, I've watched them knock on the door to ask for some kid's picture. It's just, that part of the job is awful. And I'm glad that that is not my everyday, all day role. For the reporters that do have to do that though, I think um, over time, you know, mental health and talking about personal time and self-care you know self-care wasn't a thing 10 years ago <laughs> so now it's a lot easier for those reporters to say hey I, I need to tap out for a week I need to do like some features story send me to the to the library opening or <laughs> the Girl Scout cookie you know giveaway they, they need a break I cannot imagine how you maintain healthy um relationships or uh anything doing that all day every day for years it, it is not natural i know the way that we do this in our business could we be doing it better when it comes to covering crime covering what's happening locally i always wonder about that like are there and i don't mean like we should be out here doing things that just make people happy like clearly that's right. not real life but is there a better balance that we could find in our reporting on things that that might not make it such a a down thing to flip on the news and be like, oh shit, like, <laughs> well, in this fifteen minute cycle, I'm gonna right. get this, 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 and this. Is there a better way? Is there something that we need to start trying? I think there probably is. I've been out a few times and you um, see people on the street who don't like the news. And, um, you know, you guys always do this or you only talk about crime in this side of town or, you know, why, why is it always, why do I always see this person or these kinds of people on TV? And so I ask, what would you, what do you want it? What would you rather see on the news? What, what can we do? To, I asked them that question. Um, oftentimes the response isn't just not realistic. Um, you know, you don't have to report every time something happens here. Well, if it was your family, you may want, have, you may feel differently about it or, um, you know, why don't you all report crime on that, this other side of town? On the, and I'll be frank, on the white side, you know, in the white neighborhoods, why don't we, you know, people get shot there you know, and that does happen. But then the flip side of that is that you get the criticism like, well, why are you running a story all day about some shooting in Bucktown when 10 kids got shot in, in you know, Chatham? 
you guys are winning. This is the biggest story of the day. You, you, you almost can't win. So the way to do it in a, um, in a way that is in, has integrity and honors the people that are involved in the stories and respects our audience, I think, is to be honest. Um, you know, don't use unnecessary adjectives <laughs> when you're so our, our job is not an adjective based job. It shouldn't be. Our job should be facts without um, without any, you know, shading or without the least different. amount, the least amount of bias that we can the least amount of bias. So the fewer adjectives when you're doing a story in the news, the better. Um, and let the people tell the story. I think it's always better when when the people that are involved are telling the story. Let the people in the neighborhood say what happened. Let uh, you know the mother. Let the let's hear from the officer. Let's let them tell the story. So it's less of us and more of the people involved. And that that way, the onus is on them um, of the way they are letting them have a voice and they're telling their story, and it pulls us out of it a little bit not to say that we don't want responsibility but that the story is not ours to tell necessarily it's their story and we're making it available to the public you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What have been the best types? You don't have to name people the best types of relationships that you've had with reporters, with anchors, how, how is that, how is that relationship? How can it be most effective between producer, host slash reporter? It's gotta be a partnership. Um, and that's with producer reporter or producer anchor. Um, I don't mind being disagreed with and I, and I definitely don't mind being the person who's disagreeing but you have to be able to listen, hear the person out um, and have a unbiased, intelligent conversation about it. We've got an anchor who sometimes does not agree with everything, but you can have a conversation with the person and they'll say, you know, I don't like this story because of this, or I don't know if this is a good guess because of this reason. And we'll listen to you say, well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I know you don't like that, but this is why I think this is good this is what the you know audience value is in having this person speak and almost always you either walk away with you agree to keep it or you agree to kill it um you know to drop a story or a guest but you walk out in agreement not one person feeling like um they weren't they heard. conceded yeah you know what i mean 
That's good. Like, that's good. That's, that, that's good to know. I know that there's been radio in your past. Was there ever a point where you're like, I want to be in front of the camera instead of behind the scenes? The control freak producer in me also <laughs> makes me want to control the content, you know? So you can, um, you can write anything for an on-air talent. It might not sound the way you heard it when you wrote it or, um, you know, you, you lose a little control when you hand the script over, <laughs> when you hand the script over. That's the thing that makes me sometimes want to be the voice is because I feel like I know how I wanted this to sound or I have a heart for this story, but it's, it's the same control freak thing that makes me a producer. <laughs> It's born from the same seed, so. Okay, I was just wondering, because I always wonder, like, what ends up pushing people in one direction or the other? And, I mean, I look at my own journey, because there was a time when I was on the production side in radio mm -hmm. and in television. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's, I mean, I know that how my control freak has manifested itself. I host a radio show by myself. So I know how my control freak has just kind of <laughs> jumped out and be like, oh, yeah, I've got this whole thing that I'm over here doing. I'm spinning plates and I'm doing everything else. But but the, the that journey, like that path to figuring out, like, what place you feel most comfortable, was there a moment where you said, this is it? Like, this is what I really, really like? Um... Or like a well, story a few... story that you were so proud of and you were like, I couldn't have done that better if I was the one reading it. Um, well, I've had that, I've, I've only had that opportunity really in radio um, where I was an uh, entertainment reporter for uh, Matt McGill's show on WVON. So I had a show every Friday, I had a, a segment with him every Friday and sometimes with guest hosts. Those were those kinds of moments um, the tricky part about the producer is that you have control, but then you have to release it. Mm. So, uh, I've done interviews that have been really good, Lawrence, like <laughs> stellar interview. Um, and you come out of the room. I remember once this big cha-cha star, big guy, big star. Um, his publicist followed me out into the hallway and said, that's the best interview he's done all day. And I literally called my mother, <laughs> went to the bathroom and called my mother. I can't believe this. That's it. Extra is going to, they're coming to get me. Every, let me, I got to get off the phone because they're going to call me. I'm sure. I got back. I'm like, we've got this great sound. Here's this sound bite. We can use this. We can write to this this way. You know, I think we should really use this. And it gets cut down to, you know, a 15 second bite that's really good. That was really good, um, but that no one knows you did. No one knows you got it. That part sometimes, not often, but sometimes is hard to swallow but it's what the job is channel nine is unique like, yeah and the more time that i spend over there like i'm i'm finding it out but there isn't a place like this 
especially with the morning show. But it's everywhere, but especially with the morning show. Why? What is it? What What are you guys doing over there that makes it as unique as it is? I think we're all really well-balanced people. Um, we all like fun and um, curious and quirky and interesting things. We all kind of have a similar sense of humor. We also all are really good news people. Um, and so that's the way the show works. There is no other station. And I say that as someone who's benefited greatly from it and who as a viewer appreciates it. There's nowhere else in the city that you can do hard, breaking, um, difficult news really well. And then also do, uh, you know, Tom Hanks in a hallway with farm animals and, you know, costume characters. It, it's, <laughs> there's no <laughs> place else. I, I don't know that there's many places in the country, honestly, that I do it as well. You. As, as we do. And um, it's very, it's very unique, very unique. I remember once I went to cover a junket in Cannes. I went to the Cannes Film Festival. It was the same weekend as the NATO protests. So I was in the morning, Chicago <laughs> in Cannes, flew home, got fitted, like slept for maybe three hours, three, four hours, because um, you know, you're up and kind of crazy or whatever when you get home, slept for a few hours, went to the station, got fitted for my gas mask, and went out to field produce for the NATO protest. Where does that, where does that happen? In a day, you're on a French Riviera red carpet <laughs> and then in the street with a gas mask. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Like it's, I mean, it's, I would not trade any of it. Good. I, I love hearing that. That's cool. So I got to know about some of these places. I mean, we know you got all the money, but if you had like all, <laughs> all the money, what places that you've been to for work were you like, oh my God, I didn't know. I mean, I figured it was like this, but I didn't know it was like this. That if you had right. all the money, you go back. Um, there is a Four Seasons in California that is near uh, the Smith compound. It is, oh gosh, I'm going to look it up. It's like, it starts with a W. It's Four Seasons West something. I have never been in a more beautiful hotel in my, and I've been to some good hotels. Sure. <laughs> this was like, you had landed somewhere else. I don't know what the people in that area do for a living. They can't all be Will Smith. Maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> but it was beautiful. You and I, you know where we, I've, it's been on TV? Um, the Kardashians go there sometimes for different stuff. Oh. It is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, that I, I just didn't expect a hotel. It's a hotel to be like that. Um, Bora Bora. It was a junket for a couples retreat. Awful movie. Terrible. Mostly. I'll, I'll, you know, I won't make it awful. I'll there say were, it like a There were some funny moments. There are some I had that moment memory and I was like, ah, you know what? Maybe I won't make it that awful. Like a C. Um, but they flew us to the resort where they filmed the movie. 
So I thought by the time the week was over and we were there for a week, I thought I lived in my little bungalow. I would come in, kick my flip-flops off, put my key on the little stand, go sit on the bed. <laughs> I thought I lived <laughs> there. Beautiful, beautiful. Doors opened out into the ocean, just unbelievable. And we were all there. Most of us are, you know, people in TV are not paid as well as I think people think people in TV are paid. <clears throat> and certainly not, you know, most of the regional entertainment press is not balling. Like there's no reason for us to end up in Bora Bora of our own volition. Right. <laughs> of our own right. volition. So we were living it up. And then the joke to everybody is when we see each other, you know, in between things or whatever, it's like, oh, I had to go on a family vacation. Oh, you know, where were you guys? Oh, at the Ramada. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> how do people live like this? <laughs> How have they not shut this crap down? <laughs> My God. <laughs> Animals shouldn't live like this. Oh like, this, is where, this is what you can afford, boo. You are Ramada. That's right. And that's why Ramada <laughs> exists. Because this is what you can afford. This is your your cast, sweetheart. You know. This is your Sony life right is here. paying for the four seasons. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now, listen, I can't let you off of this podcast without asking you some Marvel stuff. Okay. So, um, have you, I'm sure you probably got an advanced copy. Did, did you finish What If? I've seen What If. Your thoughts? Um. Wow, that pause is like, not great. I like most of I liked most, I'll say I want, I'll say this. I wanted to like it way more than I did. Okay. So I uh, grew, grew up like, hold on. As a matter of fact, I can show you because we're visual too. Hang on. So I think you know that I'm like crazy sci-fi comic guy. I but, do. But look. <laughs> okay. So I I loved the what ifs when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. Oh my god. That was my really? jam. Not 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 okay. the, the TV show. I mean the comic book. Oh, yes, yes. When I was a kid, like that was the one I was going to Crocs and Britannos to go and yes. find. Yes. And so I was like hyped, hyped. Hyped, hyped for what if. And I enjoyed it. The the thing was is that I would have been totally fine if it were just a collection of stories that were not tied together. I'd have been totally fine with that. I'm good living in the alternate universes and I I can compartmentalize that. I thought that episode eight with Ultron, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Yes. That shit got my blood pressure up. (laughs) Like I was like, Whoa, like, (laughs) I was not expecting that turn, and I just sat there going, okay, okay, this made, I, I, th- I would probably give it like a B, maybe a B plus as a series of stories, but that episode, I was like, I'm so in right now. I'm yeah, so I go, in. I can go a B minus for the series. Okay. That's fair. I wanted it to be an A. Sure. Do you think that they got the other TV series right? Uh, what do you mean? Loki? Loki, uh, Captain America, 
Um, um, I didn't. I, I liked low key, even though sometimes it felt um, like it was playing to. And I, I'm going to use this word, and I, it, it's going to. I'm turning it on my mother. I don't. It's going to sound. I don't mean it that way, but it. It felt like Loki was playing to a lower um, audience in the sense of understanding the story. Got you. It didn't challenge. But, yeah. Um, but I. But I liked. I enjoyed it. Um, the Captain America series, I liked okay. If th- that to me felt like, it felt like a buddy cop show that you yeah. could watch on TNT, and I enjoyed it. Like yeah. I, th- and I felt like the audience needed it after Wandavision. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. You know what I mean? Like, like Wandavision was so out there, and it asked yeah. you to do a lot. So you needed a serial. Like, you needed, I know exactly how this plays out. This right. is the way that this always goes, and there's some comfort in that because WandaVision was just, like, so ambitious. It required a lot from the viewer. Yes. And I will, but in, a, in, a, in an, a very excellent and the best way. But I will say that I'm glad that you said that because that gives me some resolution to what I did not like about Loki. Okay. That that it it that the audience needed to that they needed to come um, not down but they needed to make it more uh, familiar you know, user friendly yeah yeah and I I mean now they've opened up a a Pandora's box like with I mean with the King the Conqueror stuff like I was just like because I love Jonathan Majors and I really enjoyed. The, the work that he's done over the last few years, and I'm just sitting there going, man, this is going to be... He's going to get to play this character in all sorts of different yeah. ways. Yeah. And, and and I can't wait to see how he goes about doing it and and what they build out of it. I'm, I'm very... I wasn't... I felt like... I, we may have even talked about this after we talked about Infinity War. I... I felt like there was a part of Marvel that was saying to people like me, like, you know, the, the mid 40 dude who grew up loving comic books. Mm-hmm. All right. We got it from here, man. We gave you all the fan service that you could have ever wanted. You got your Captain America. You got your Thanos. You got all that stuff. And yeah. now we're going to we're going to go do some other shit now. And thank you for the, the billions upon billions of dollars that you spent trying to relive your childhood. Right. And now we're going <laughs> to now we're going to go create something new. And I've kind of felt like, oh, I'm going to walk away." And I haven't walked away yet. No. And I and I'm happy no. about that. No, they did manage to keep everybody that they engaged the uh, you know, deeply rooted fans and the people who, you know, checked in and out on the stuff that they liked. There's a whole bunch. I'm you'd be fascinated how many people I talk to that have only seen um, like a couple of the movies and Infinity War. Yeah, I look. My brother is not a fan. Like music yeah. was his thing. This was my thing, and he said to me he, he, before Endgame came out, he goes, "Listen, everyone seems to be watching this movie. Everywhere I go, people are talking about all this stuff. I have no idea what's going on." Right. Can you catch me up? And I said, well, there's 22 movies, so that's going to be hard. <laughs> He's like, I'm not watching 22 movies. I said, 
okay, so I did like a super cut. I did, I, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was Iron Man 1, Cap, Avengers, Civil War. Right. Ragnarok, Infinity War. I was like, that's, if, if, if six is the number that I got to go with, then that's, I can get you familiar with the people that are involved in this. Right. And he ended up enjoying Endgame. He, he, yeah. he really liked it. But that, to me, is amazing that they were able to bring the, the person who couldn't care less about any of this stuff, and they wanted to be a part of what was the phenomena. Right. No, Marvel managed to pull it off um, and is still doing it, you know, and making it that much more accessible to somebody sitting on their couch who might not be the person who would go to the theater to watch a, a super, what they, you know, have deemed a superhero movie, but will watch something on Netflix or watch something on Disney Plus. And so, you know, they, they have pulled off the miraculous. DC, oh which we've God. talked about. Oh my God. <laughs> is still trying to play catch up. I feel like they haven't given up, but I don't know how they recover. They could, they could, I think they, they, they had. Or a, do they want to? Maybe they don't want to recover. Maybe they're comfortable with this is for the people who want to watch it or who like it. And I'm okay with that. They're going to try with Shazam. And, and, and I actually enjoyed that. Like it was, it was nice to have a lighter movie from them because mm-hmm. all of their movies just seem so like it's a, it's laborious. It's just like, come on, man. And, Maybe they need to move away from Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Right. Maybe there are other stories inside the DC universe that could spark something. But they feel they're so committed to, we've got to make a Superman movie. Right. And you're like, no, you don't. Like, the ones that are out there have been <laughs> fine. You don't We're have to. We're good. <laughs> like, and I, and I, I straight up, like, I, not that this was, I would even consider this necessarily a DC movie. And I I enjoy Joker, but uh-huh. once we get to the movie theater, I'm just like, oh, like <laughs> again, like we're gonna do the Batman origin again. <laughs> and I was just sitting there getting frustrated. I do like their TV shows though. I've enjoyed. I, you know, I watched their TV shows for a while, and then they've all run too long. All yeah. <laughs> I checked out. I stopped caring. Arrow was two seasons too long. Yeah. Flash should be ending now. And, and it, they're probably going to go at least another two seasons. And Supergirl, I was surprised at how much I liked it. It's okay, probably my favorite. They, they take some risk. They, they definitely have an agenda, and they are not afraid to tell you what their okay. agenda is. I'll have to uh, on-demand it. You should. Well, listen, I know you got other stuff to do. You got to get ready for your next interview. I, yep, I'm talking to Ava DuVernay. What? About her Colin Kaepernick series coming to Netflix. My man Josiah is a part of that. Josiah, really? Josiah Johnson, who is Marcus Johnson's son, uh, who was a basketball player. Um, you've seen White Men Can't Jump. I have seen that's Of the handful of sports movies, yes, I have seen White Men Can't Jump. Marcus Johnson was Raymond. The crazy dude that was going to cut people and go to the yes. other store and get his other gun. Yes. <laughs> so, so he was an NBA player, and his son played at UCLA. He's a big part of this movie with Ava okay. DuVernay. 
So yeah. if, if you should ask her about Josiah, because he he is king of NBA Twitter. Okay. Like he gets retweeted by like LeBron and like he is he is I'll have to follow him. Yes, you you absolutely you two would I think hit it off perfectly. I think that you would love talking with him, but Go talk with Ava. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of my podcast. I, Thank I'm, you I'm for so glad we could do me. this. It's always fun to see. I'm so proud of you. Oh, you're sweet. I I thank you for that. I'm I'm trying to keep working and doing hard and try to make people proud. So yeah. I appreciate it. HF you. rolled out a bunch of good eggs for sure. You know it. We run this place, man. <laughs> <laughs> we run this place. Can't nobody tell us any different. All right. You be good. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. The HF Mafia. We are out here. We are out here, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the scenes, baby. We out here. Good Tyra representing. Man, the whole list is just, it's just great. And I'm so glad that she's on it. The story of her and Denzel is wild and she sent me the video of her interaction with Denzel and it's hysterical, hysterical. I'm so glad that she had time to put up with my nonsense. And I, I, we vibe, like, I, I think that her sensibilities about, you know, how I am about the, the goofy stuff, like the, the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff, like, She's got a good barometer on a lot of this stuff that happens creatively. So I'm glad to to kind of pick her brain on some of it because it gives me excellent perspective and it allows me to go, oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't think of it that way. And now because of something I saw Tyra say or put on social, I'll give it another opportunity. Like, I'll, I'll try to look at it through that lens. It really is amazing when you think about the luminaries that she has had conversations with or sat in the room with. The whole thing is amazing. The other part of it that I really like, and I like having a chance to talk with her on House of L is I like that it shows how there's so many different paths that one can take inside of this industry that you don't have to be what you came in or even what you thought about what you dreamed of when you came into this business. I talk about it a lot Maybe if you're new to House of L, I can refresh your memory. When I started, and I started as an intern at Channel 9, by the way, I I have a lot of affection for Channel 9 even to this day. But when I was there, and when I was finishing up school, because it's really weird. I got my internship the last quarter of senior year at Channel 9. Like, I had been doing radio stuff at WMAQ, strangely enough, or ironically enough, it was 6.70 a.m. back then. And I knew that I wanted to dabble in TV, 
but I hadn't really pursued it the way that I, and there's, you know, in college, there's all sorts of stuff going on. There's, there's baseball and there was studying and was I going to law school or was I going to the Navy and all this other stuff. But I ended up getting an internship at Channel 9 and it, it kind of changed the course of my life. Now, while I was there and the, the point that I was trying to make was I always thought that I wanted to be a sports center anchor. Like, I thought that was the thing that my life's work was going to be that. And then you realize that ESPN is in Bristol, Connecticut. No diss to Bristol, but I didn't want to live there. Now, I have friends who have built out their lives. Like, shout out to my man, Michael Kim, who spent a lot of time working at ESPN, has a beautiful home out near that way, or had a beautiful home out near that way. But it wasn't for me, and I found my niche. Now, since then, I've changed course a couple different times. And what Tyra's story tells you is that it it can be as simple as one decision. Like One decision changes the path that you're on. And then you find out that you enjoy that path that you're on. I think about it. I always wonder about what the sliding doors version of me is doing. Like, is the sliding door version where I went to the Judge Advocate General in the Navy, is that guy dead? Or uh, is that guy getting ready to retire? Right? Because, let's see, taking me three years to get out of law school. Well, no, he wouldn't be ready to retire yet. 21 years in. Is he a politician now? Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I think about that. Like, what happens to that guy? Or what happens to the version of me that decided that I would I would learn how to be a sports anchor early in my career versus in the middle point of my career because that's when it happened it happened in the middle because of what I had done on radio what happened to the version of me that took over went back to HF and was teaching there and has been teaching there since you know 1998 or whatever maybe that guy's ready to retire at 46 but yeah, man, it's it's always fun to like think about those things. Like those different versions of you and what would have happened to them. But I know that working over at Channel 9 like changed the course of my career and showed me that I could do all the stuff that I wanted to do and I could stay in the city that I wanted to be in. I've been super lucky. That doesn't happen for 97, 98% of the people that do this job don't start their career in a market this large and get to stay there the entire time. Although I guess I shouldn't say entire time. My career is not over yet. And I I guess I could be enticed to go someplace else, but it would it's a very specific list. But I'm so happy that I got a chance to talk with Tyra 
because she's technically behind the scenes. Like, she's behind the camera. But she gets mad props. Like, she's in front of the camera from people who are in front of the camera in real life. I also think that she offered some incredible advice if you're a young journalist. So I appreciate her. I think she's really smart, extremely talented, and someone that people should, in this business, should look up to. Because look at what she's created for herself. It's pretty awesome. So thank you for listening. We're going to have another episode coming up soon. I can tell you that the next episode, you know what? I can. I don't have to tease it. I can just tell you because it's done. The next episode is one of the big fish that House of L has had on the list for a long time. The cat man himself sat down with House of L, a.k.a. me. I don't know why I went third person. But you're going to love the episode. I promise you, you're going to love the episode. Sports Adjacent will be out this week. Make sure you check out the latest episode of that. Since baseball season is over, Maddie Lee is going to take a little bit of a break which means more interviews by me. So I've got to step my game up now on the content side. And I promise next week when the cap episode comes out, man, you are going to love it. And you are going to find out something that you didn't know. Thanks to Tyra Martin. She's great. I will talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.